Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Hool. And I am beyond thrilled to be sitting down with not only my uh, previous uh, colleague of mine from the Ferguson Florissant School District, but also a good friend, uh, Tom Dunlap served as the director of security before, during, and after the 2014 Ferguson riots. So Tom was really able to see firsthand the impact that these tragic incidents had on the school district students, parents, and teachers. Welcome, Tom. Hi, how are you? I am good. I'm so glad that you're on the show. And I know that uh, you are coming to us from the Lake of the Ozarks, where I'm pretty confident you might be looking out the glass window at the lake right now. Well, you've been here. You know the view. So, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yep. But I'm glad that I could get you, even if it is via uh, telephone and computer. I know you couldn't be in the studio today, but um, I'm just thrilled that you took the time out to talk with us today. Because I think that this, even though these are, you know, these are things that happened five years ago, it's still something that impacts um, not only our community but communities around the nation as well. So I appreciate your time. Well, it, it's it's still impacting. I mean, every day almost you read the paper, and there's something about. Ferguson or the Michael Brown or Black Lives Matter. And uh, I think it probably changed the face of our community forever. And how long were you in the district? How long did you serve in the Ferguson Florissant School District before um, uh, August of 2014? I began uh, in July of 1999 and I worked 17 years there. And what, 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 what did you do before that? Uh, I was a police officer for 26 years. I worked in Berkeley and Florissant, and then I served six years in the military prior to that. So it's easy to say that you are coming into this position as the director of security with nothing but experience in law enforcement. That was my entire career. Even in the military, I was in the military police. So what was the district like? Give us sort of a, a background or a glimpse into what the district was like safety, security-wise before August of 2014. I came to the district as an admissions officer investigating residencies and doing centralized registration. Uh, I was there for a year in that position, and then they made me director of safety and security over a security force. I had 24 security officers, both full and part-time. And at that time we had three school resource officers. Um, during my tenure, I, because of budget cuts, I lost some of my part-time officers. But when I left, we had six school safety officers or school resource officers, which was commissioned police officers with three different police departments in our district. And that's what I was just going to ask you was, so what, what's the difference between, because I think a lot of people get confused about that when we say school resource officer or school security officer, there's a lot of different titles, but there really is truly a difference in those two roles. A school resource officer is a commissioned law enforcement from a local municipal police department. Um, they're post-certified. They go to the uh, National Association of School Resource Officers training and are placed in the schools. At, in our district, it was at the secondary level. However, the officers at the secondary schools also 
worked with the elementary schools that fed into that school. So, for example, when you were in the district of Parker Road, your elementary school went or fed into Cross Keys Middle School and McClure North High School. So the SRO from Cross Keys and McClure North would also service the elementary school that you were in. So when you first started working there at the beginning of your career with the district and you had those those officers in place at the schools, would you say that that was something that was was truly, truly needed or were they just sort of nice to have at that time because there weren't really a lot of issues or problems in the area of school safety? Well, I'm a big proponent for having school resource officers in every school, elementary, secondary, uh, student support center, STEM center. And I know that the district now, uh, after talking with some folks that I stay in contact with, they're looking to add six more school resource officers in the district. So I would say, yes, it's definitely needed, um, not only for the safety aspect, which everyone looks at as having, you know, an armed police officer in a building uh, can possibly mediate an incident that would occur, but the school resource source officers that I was associated with did so much more, um, especially the the two from Florissant, Kimberry, and um, Mark Lothridge. Uh, they do summer programs for the kids that are in our district and do summer camps, and they're, they're really, really connected to our school district. Uh, I could not imagine any district not having a certified school resource officer, especially in their secondary schools. Yeah, because now it's just sort of like it's common to not see one, you know, in this day and age and in most of the schools is more uncommon um, than to not have them there. Um, so, you know, we the, the nation watched in August of 2014 and the aftermath of the shooting of Michael Brown um, that occurred, but you were actually there. So as, as most people were watching on television and watching on the internet and reading about it in newspapers, you were actually there, um, not only witnessing what was happening firsthand, but really, um, had your hand in a lot of decisions that were being made based on, you know, the events that occurred, um, after the shooting had happened. So tell us a little bit about what that was like, um, those first couple of weeks after, after that incident. Well, it's, it's interesting because I was actually on vacation. I, I left on vacation, I believe, the day after Michael was shot. And I woke up Saturday morning, and we were in Las Vegas, and I turned on the national news. And on the national news, I was seeing the rioting and the protesting and the climate that was on the national news. And I told my wife, I said, this is really going to be something to go back to. And it wasn't but about 10 minutes after that broadcast on the national news. And my boss called me and my boss never called me when I was on vacation. He said, you're on vacation. I'm not going to bother you unless it's something that's really important. So I asked him, I said, you know, what's going on? And he goes, when do you come back? And I said, well, we come back tomorrow afternoon. And it surprised me. He said, well, can you come to an emergency board meeting uh, on Sunday? And I said, well, sure I can. And 
we got in about five o'clock and we came straight from the airport instead of going home and the board members were there and we were getting ready to start school i believe on a tuesday or wednesday and we discussed what was going on and they asked my opinion should we start school and i just flat told them that i didn't think it would be safe not only for our students but also for our staff because the majority of the protests or the demonstrations were taking place in front of the Ferguson Police Department, which is on Florissant Road, which is a main thoroughfare for our school buses to run. And also over on West Florissant, where the shooting occurred close to there, they were protesting there and we ran a lot of buses down that street also. So we decided to take and call school and for the rest of the week, and then the next week, we had another board meeting. And at this time, I suggested to the board and my boss that we get the local police departments, fire departments, EMS, and even the mayors or their representatives from the districts or the municipalities that served our district to come to that meeting. And after meeting with them, we decided that we would close school again. And I was asked at that meeting about, you know, when do you think we should be able to go back? And it was pretty much unanimous with all the police departments and the fire departments that we shouldn't have school uh, until things basically quieted down. And I think we lost seven days of attendance seven instruction days and you as a prior educator knows the importance of time in seat for classes and we just didn't feel that it was safe because some of the streets had been blocked off that gave access to our students that walked um, we did have a, a couple of students in a neighboring district that came to school and their eyes were watering and they had nasal drip and come to find out they had picked up a, a spent tear gas container that was fired and uh, was subjected to the tear gas. So it was a wise decision, I think, by the board and the, the police and the fire and the mayors uh, to not have school. Uh, shortly after that, Things started to die down, but there were protests or demonstrations almost every day across from the Ferguson Police Department. Uh, as you know, Christy, you were in the district at that time. Uh, there were shots fired. There were businesses burnt. Uh, the area where, well, you and I did a presentation for the Illinois School Resource Officers Association, and we went over and took pictures of the area around West Florissant and uh, of all the burnt buildings and people don't realize when businesses are burnt that also impacts our district financially because we lose tax revenue, uh, not to mention the disruption of the, the students and the staff's life that are working and attending in our district. And I, and I you know, it's interesting to sort of hear you talk about the inner workings of some of those meetings in which you're called to this emergency meeting and you're sitting 
with, you know, the Board of Education and these central office administrators, you know, all of the folks that are that are in essence running a school district of 11,000, you know, plus whatever students and families, you are really having to make some critical decisions and probably some decisions that not all of the families and parents and everyone are going to understand in the moment. But what what was it like to be in those meetings? Like, what was the feel of the room when you were in these meetings at such a critical time? Because this was all just sort of fresh and starting to ramp up. And there was probably a lot of emotions going around. I, I think there was. However, uh, credit to our then board, they realized that student safety and staff safety was job one. Uh, they didn't want any student or any staff getting injured uh, or coming in contact or getting in at the wrong place at the wrong time on their way to school or walking back from school. Uh, because like I said, the demonstrations were on a continual basis. And as you know, there was probably 30 or 40 news media vans parked across the street from the Ferguson Police Department for almost a month, uh, CNN, NBC, CBS, Al Jazeera, it was just a nationwide and worldwide incident that was taking place that was being covered by the news media, which was reflecting on our district and our community. Yeah. And I think that that the decision, I would agree with you on that being in the buildings during the time, you know, that this happened, because up until the point um, before the shooting, you know, teachers were in the building, they were getting their classrooms ready. You know, we had summer school, I believe, in a couple of buildings that had probably just ended and the custodians were coming in and cleaning. And I thought that the decision to not only postpone school, but um, also make it optional for a lot of teachers who were traveling from possibly unsafe areas or just didn't feel safe um, coming into the building to work, um, even when the kids weren't there, was a really um, sound decision because I had to be there, right? As an administrator, I needed to be there. I mean, I still had kids showing up at some, you know, some days saying, when are we going to come back to school? And, you know, they were wanting to see their teachers and they were eager to start school. And so, you know, I had parents coming, coming by during that time. So obviously I needed to be there just as you and the central office administrators needed to be there for the community. But, you know, I did have a few teachers that, that would call and say, you know, I just, I don't, I feel like I'm, not safe coming there the way that I have to travel. And that was completely optional for them. You know, we didn't make anyone feel like they had to be there. We made sure that safety for everyone and especially our kids, um, the kids of the district was the number one priority. Um, did you get a lot of resistance from parents that needed to be at work and that did not plan on having their children at home for an extra seven days or however many days, you know, total they were out? Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because I don't remember one call from a parent saying, when are we going to go back to school? And every parent that I came in contact with was actually happy that we weren't sending their children uh, through the protests and the demonstrations uh, and the turmoil that was going on. Uh, they had their best interests of their children in mind also. You mentioned the staff. Um, you have to remember that my school safety officers only have jurisdiction over our property and in the Ferguson area where we had, I think we have four elementaries and a middle school. Um, some of the teachers were wanting escorts to and from their homes. And it was a difficult thing to tell them that I can't escort 
you with a security officer because they don't have any jurisdiction off a of property. That was one of the things that bothered me the most was that I wasn't able to provide them with a sense of security. Um, we did have a school damaged and that was traumatic for the, the staff and the students. But after the turmoil died down, things pretty much went back to normal as far as instruction. But mm -hmm. when you're in the news every day, it's just a reminder of what's going on. Uh, I empathize with Michael's death. I don't think that any mother or father would want to see their child killed, uh, but I don't second guess anyone. I don't second guess the police. I don't second guess Michael. Uh, it's just an event that occurred and hopefully lessons were learned from that event. Did you see, did you see a lot of incidents of behavior or discipline issues uh, rise after these events when the students were back in school? Um, did you see a lot of protesting from the kids? Did you see a lot more uh, security or safety issues once school had resumed session? Well, as you are aware, we did have a couple of walkouts at some of our high schools. And one of the things that we learned from that incident was some of the principals and the staff uh, would follow the students at a safe distance while they were protesting. Um, we found out that that was probably something we should not do because then it appeared that we were authorizing them to leave school where our policy states if you leave school without permission, you can't come back unless you have a, a note from your parent. But that was just a situation that they did come back to school and we allowed them in. It was better than them walking in the streets. Uh, and every time you have students in the street marching, there's a risk that someone's going to be ran over or hurt. Uh, so that's a lesson that we learned. And I think that, you know, going into this, this type of thing had not really occurred uh, too often or in too many other places. And so this was sort of the jumping off point for a lot of, you know, um, civil unrest and uh, discourse among, you know, groups of people and communities. And so, you know, this, I'm sure, opened up um, sort of the gate for new policies and procedures to now have to be put in place for future events like this that probably didn't exist prior to the shooting of Michael Brown. I know that one thing that I did he, immediately after this started, uh, I reviewed our crisis plans for the district and I actually added a amendment to our crisis plan specifically addressing civil unrest or civil disobedience, um, which I didn't know at the time, but I don't believe any school district in our area where we worked uh, had that. And people were asking me if they could have copies of it. And of course I shared it. I didn't try to copyright it or anything. I just wanted to show them what we were doing and if it helped them with their issues that may pop up because this affected really four school districts in our immediate area, um, Normandy, Riverview, Hazelwood, and Ferguson, Florissant. So I guess one good thing that came out of this was that uh, all of those districts established a uh, civil unrest 
uh, crisis plan. Yeah. And it's not something that you um, want to ever have to deal with, but I think moving forward, not only for that district, but for all districts across the nation, it's, it's good to be prepared and to know that, you know, because you know, fortunately that, that happened when the children were not in, in session, but, you know, this could have happened, you know, at any time at any, on any day of the week. Um, so, you know, luckily moving forward, I think that, you know, like you said, there's been a lot of lessons learned, um, from that incident. And, you know, I'm curious, what, what do you think impacted you personally the most? Because as educators, we don't just leave this at the door when we walk out either of our school buildings or, you know, you walking out of your your office there in the administration building and getting in your car and driving home. Like, how did this impact you personally dealing with these issues on a day-to-day basis for months? Well, I had stressful situations in the military and in my law enforcement career. Um, but I will say that this incident and the aftermath of the shooting, uh, not to mention the aftermath when uh, the grand jury decided not to indict, which is another major part of this story uh, because that disrupted class for another five days. Uh, it was quite stressful. It, was, it had an impact on me because I would leave every day wondering, you know, did all the kids get home safe? Uh, What's going to happen tonight? Is one of our buildings going to be damaged? I know my overtime budget for my security officers. Uh, it was the first time in the 17 years that I was there. Um, that year was the only year that I went over budget on my security, basically because of all the overtime that I was paying uh, to have extra people checking our buildings at night and escorting students, our staff that lived in the district uh, to their homes. Uh, it was, it was really stressful. Yeah. And I, and I can definitely echo that. And I think for me too, on a personal level, seeing the, you know, seeing the students who were coming up wanting to know when school was, was going to be started and, and, you know, really worrying about parents and families because a lot of these families relied on, you know, the school and to, you know, for breakfast and for lunch and for all of these things. And very abruptly, that was all changed. And so um, I think that it definitely, you know, obviously impacted all of us um, in some way, shape or form, whether we lived in the community or not, we were all sort of part of what was happening. And it's funny because like in the moment, you know, you think, okay, this is really bad. This is, this is a really big deal. But I don't think that I personally and you might have felt differently, but I had family members that lived in completely different states. You know, like my brother in Minnesota was like calling and texting me the first week, like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And, you know, like there were just a lot of of folks that I'm close to that didn't even live close, but was watching this on the news that were calling to check up on me and to make sure, you know, everything was, was going well. And it was like, I didn't realize the magnitude of it until I was starting to get those phone calls and texts. Well, no one wants to see your, the place where you work on the national news. And that Saturday that when I was on vacation and I saw that, I knew that this was going to have an impact on our district for a long time. And, you know, things have changed. Uh, You mentioned about the kids missing um, you know, free lunch and, and free breakfast. To our district's credit, they did provide uh, free meals even when we were out of the district uh, because of the protests. You know, we went to areas that were safe or relatively safe if the kids wanted to 
come and get a free breakfast and a free lunch. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, Tom, didn't we also um, open up a space where kids could just come and spend the day and learn? Yes, yes, we did. And yeah. we did have a lot of kids that came there. You know, as bad as the initial protest was when the grand jury failed to indict, uh, those protests were a little bit more violent. Uh, that's when the, the police officer was shot and uh, there were several police cars burnt on Florissant Road, uh, and we lost another five days of instruction then. And I can remember what the the board asked me, when do you think we can go back to school? And I said, well, basically, when the police aren't shooting rubber bullets and tear gas at protesters and protesters aren't burning police cars or setting buildings on fire, um, you know, when the fire department is responding and they won't go unless they have a police escort and then people are shooting at fire trucks. Uh, it makes for a, a difficult situation to say the least. Looking back, what are some things that you think that the district could have done differently? And what are some things that you think they did really well during this time? That's a hard question. Um, one of the things I think that we learned was that we definitely needed a, a crisis plan component with the civil disobedience. Uh, we needed to be sure that we followed policy and procedures about when students walk out. I was surprised that there weren't a whole lot of racial incidents uh, with the students, which to me leads credit to the students that were attending. Uh, there were some kids that wore you know, Black Lives Matters t-shirts, and then there were some kids that wore, you know, White Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, uh, but it was quickly diffused. There wasn't any major incidents that I recall. I think the district didn't, to me, they did an excellent job in the way that they handled this situation that was thrust upon them by no fault of their own. Yeah, and I, I would second that. You know, you and I have a, a history together, as we kind of stated. I was in the district for almost 10 years of, you know, the last 10 years of your 17. I believe you said you were there. Um, and so we we had the opportunity to work closely together. And, you know, we uh, sort of in the realm of school safety and security. And um, I, I definitely admired um, not, you know, not only the district's um, courageous acts of making sure kids were safe and, and doing what they knew was right by the students and the parents, but just you in general being in that role, I know is a difficult role to be in. So um, I, I appreciate what you did for the district at that time. And I know it's something, you know, that won't be forgotten. And, and hopefully we're making strides to move forward um, in society and, and these types of incidents won't occur. Um, although I know that's sort of, you know, looking at things with rose colored glasses to think that these types of things aren't still occurring and won't occur again. But um, tremendous effort on your part and the Ferguson Florissant School District during these times. And Tom, I just want to thank you again. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you about this and sort of getting into, you know, the inner workings of what happened during the tragic times after the Michael Brown shooting. So thank you. I, I truly appreciate your time. So thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. And this is Christy Hool signing off with this episode of Classroom Matters. And don't forget to check out all of our great resources on the educate.today website.